0: Nikki Haley, oh my God, she announced she's running for president this past week. And uh, she is a noted follower of both Reagan's policies and Trump. Aaron,
1: what are your thoughts on this? I'm just thinking about how everyone's always like, oh, we need more Asians in politics. We need more Asians in politics. And the ones we get are like, okay, no, not that one, not that one. (laughs) Every time. (laughs)
0: welcome to the politically asian podcast We're two asian american comedians talking about politics in the asian american community in hopes of getting more asians to talk about politics we are coming at you live from brooklyn new york my name is jerry lim my pronouns are they them and you can find me across the internet at jerryaki that's g-e-r-r-i-e-y-a-k-i and my co-host
1: Hey, my name is Aaron Yin, my pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on social media at Aaron Flarin. that's A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. And before we get into the episode, we want to say thank you to two new donors to the pod! Woohoo! Yay! So, each week, Jerry and I, we only thank two people just to, you know, not clog up the entire episode with thank yous, so this week... The first person we are thanking is Randy K. Yay, thank hey. you Randy. Woo. Thank you Randy. 99% sure this is the Randy who's the, the host of the Bon me Chronicles, another Asian American podcast. Check him out. Um if it's not you Randy, uh I- ignore that. Thank you other Randy K, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's a- <laughs> Oh, awkward. Okay. Anyway, so Randy, uh yeah, I'm sure you already know this. We will just generate a fortune for you using an automatic fortune cookie generator and then interpret it in a politically Asian style. So, Randy, your fortune for today is you must try or hate yourself for not trying. I'm going to say that again. You must try or hate yourself for not trying. All right, Jerry. Uh... What, what are you thinking after you hear this fortune
0: wow i don't remember the yoda quote going like this um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. feels a little bit more emo uh, <laughs> and a little bit more uh extreme but you know i like the energy it's a little bit more spicy
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah
0: basically just you gotta do it or you're not doing it yeah. what do you think
1: no i mean that i think this one's pretty straightforward randy you know i'm not sure if uh you know, you have any projects going on, I think, you're school, but, you know, any pods or projects or organizing efforts, I think this is a pretty clear sign to do something. Otherwise, you're going to beat yourself up about it. I don't think this, I don't know how else to read this. It's it's a pretty clear call to action right here.
0: Yeah. Um, but also, you know, we're, we're interpreting it as a politically Asian podcast. So we, I want to throw on to also be soft. It's okay if like, you know, you don't, try everything or you know don't hate your goals it's okay to like be kind to yourself
1: yeah that's right. it it is pretty extreme in the you either do it or you're gonna hate yourself, <laughs> hate <laughs> yourself. <laughs> i mean that's that's what we say like you know it's like oh if i don't do this i'm gonna hate myself but you know hopefully not that extreme <laughs> um yeah so i'd say you know give it your best step forward uh hopefully oh, whatever you're working on and thank you for supporting the pod all right and the second person we're saying thank you to is Kayla. Hey, thank you, Kayla. Thanks, Kayla. All right, Kayla, you already know how it goes. So your fortune for today is it's amazing how much good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Mm, okay, uh, I'll say it again. You know, it's amazing how much good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. All right, Jerry. What do you what do you thinking on this one?
0: Um i I really like this one. I think it's super wholesome, and I think it really encapsulates a lot of like organizing the organizing spirit. Um, it reminds me of uh, Bernie Sanders' uh last campaign slogan: the whole "Not Me" period, us.
1: Oh, okay. If
0: you remember that, yeah. That Um, was so long
1: ago, I don't, but okay. So long ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what that reminds me of. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, this is like the opposite of what everyone says for a group project, right? The the group project is like, no, we actually do care who does the work and who gets the credit. (laughs) Because, you know, with group projects, it's always like one person doing all the work and then the other people barely doing anything. But yeah, I think for, for organizing, it's especially... Good to, you know, not have ego be in the way of it to share the credit whenever possible. Um, And obviously on the work side to also delegate as much as you can. So, yeah, I guess Kayla, uh, I'm not sure if you're in the middle of a group project or you're trying to pull something together with a lot of different organizations. But this seems like a sign to not let your ego get in the way to, you know, make some small concessions wherever possible for the larger goal. Uh, Something along those lines.
0: But what did you say with a group project and organizing? Like, it doesn't... The credit doesn't really matter, but it just matters that everyone is doing, like, either A, equal work, or B, work that is best suited for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's more like if they do any work at all, right? I yeah. I mean, I, I think of examples where it's like, oh, like, you know, we might ask certain groups to come out and join us to do something and they don't show up. And then, you I know, see. we wouldn't say a thank you to that guy. It's like, you you literally weren't here, right? I think right, a lot, of, right. a lot of the... The most important thing is like who shows up and who's actually there. Uh, So, yeah, hopefully uh, this helps out with whatever you're working on. And Randy and Kayla, thank you so much for supporting the pod.
0: Ooh, thank you. All right. Well, speaking of showing up, we're going to move on to our next segment, Practice What You Preach. So if you don't know, on this pod, we talk a lot about politics, but it's also important to do things. So each week we share one thing we did related to politics and organizing And uh, this week, I will go first. Um, I'm really challenging myself to learn more about viewpoints, not mine. And I think specifically about viewpoints directly opposed of mine, you know, Um, because I don't think it's productive to, um, for the most part, it's not really productive to just be like, well, they're always wrong, because I think it's important to get to the root of why someone believes in something. I ended up talking to my mom about the, we were talking about the Philippines and um, and uh, or no, we were talking about family. And one of our family members was recently stationed in Okinawa, which we've talked about on this pod is oh. a uh, colony of Japan um, yep. that has like a very large military base and uh, a U.S., very large U.S. military base. And my mom. <laughs> said she wants more u.s military bases in the philippines so i guess that answers you know the thing that we talked about the other week um because we've we've talked about this before uh how the philippines is um allowing for more military bases and um instead of just like being a bitch about it (laughs) i was like really interested in why she wanted that and uh, i tried to approach it from a place of curiosity and eventually like I came away with the understanding that uh, apparently, and she schooled me on this, if the U.S. were to incorporate the Philippines back into the United States, similar to like how Puerto Rico is, right? Um, It wouldn't be classified as immigration anymore. It would be internal migration. So it'd be easier for a lot of our family to come over to the United States. And I was like, I guess I can't really fault you for that. So I don't know. Yeah.
1: Okay. That was a lot? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's sorry. Let's kind of break it down. So so just to kind of summarize, you talk with your mom about those four new militaries in the Philippines, of which your cousin is a part of?
0: Yeah, well, her her husband was oh, stationed cousin's there. Us- yeah, cousin's yeah, yeah.
1: husband, I see, I she, see. She I had guess, to come along, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine he's, you know, when we were talking about Okinawa, we were talking about a lot of Okinawans protesting yeah, yeah. against those bases. So. yep. You know, he might potentially be the one of the soldiers in that article (laughs) being, you know, yeah, protested against, uh, you know, for polluting and all this other stuff in Japan. Okay, and then your mom was like, we
0: actually I like this
1: (laughs) pro pro military, because if we are incorporated, then I don't have to worry about immigration as much for seeing family. So it's like a family unification story.
0: Yeah, like I can't Mm. I guess like I can't really fault her for that you know
1: what did you say to that
0: i I literally i I don't even know like what like i could say to that right like it was just like no this is bad because you know she hasn't her all her family is like slowly dying while she's a world apart so
1: oh i see you know like
0: it's like okay like i don't know what to say to this um but it's it just was good to understand where an opposing view was coming from you know
1: i don't know yeah that's true that's true um it also doesn't seem as like uh, rooted in views on military, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's like true. A, it's all a family thing where military is like a tangential aspect.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh,
0: yeah, what about you? Would you what were you up to this week?
1: Yeah, so this week, myself and the group I organized with um, Youth Against Displacement, we were calling out the ICP, which is the International Center of Photography in New York City. Uh, This center, they do a lot of film screenings and they were screening a film about Corky Lee, who is a very known photographer in Chinatown for photographing a lot of like marches and picket lines and protests, like a lot of the activists and organizers in Chinatown. So Mm -hmm. very well known within New York City circles. And I'm not sure how well nationally, but very, very well known within New York City, Chinatown. The reason we were calling them out is because one of the speakers listed on this film originally was um is a professor at columbia named may nai who she like writes about like immigration and labor at columbia but um she has basically been supporting like the museum of chinese in america uh you know throughout this entire saga of like it taking jail money from the city which is in direct contrast to what corky lee thought about mocha and so, so that's why we were essentially saying like, oh, it's kind of insulting for Mei Nai to speak on behalf of Corky when they had such different views on like a very pressing issue in Chinatown. Uh, long story short, it's like they took her name off the event at least. It sounds like she didn't speak anymore at this event, um, whether because she wasn't planning on originally or if she canceled because ICP canceled on her, but that's, that's like the gist of it.
0: Okay, cool. How did you uh, organize to... Uh... Like, take action against the ICP.
1: Yeah, this was kind of small to be honest. It was literally just like a whole bunch of emails. I mean, because oh, like we, wow. I mean, like you know, we we just came from like this the Sunday event, which is like the reason why we you know didn't protest or picket in front of ICP. I feel like it, you know, if it weren't this Sunday, then we would have done that. But this week, just a lot of us just sent emails, and then ICP responded. It didn't sound like May and I like she might have canceled or something changed, but yeah, she she it sounds like she wasn't there in short.
0: <laughs> I I love that it's just like, not just, but I love that it, it's writing emails. You know, it's, it's a very uh, Karen-esque thing to do. Not that y'all are a bunch of Karens, but it yeah. just makes me, that's what it makes me think of. Like, I want to talk to your manager that you're going to have this person on the panel.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I did send an email and I think a lot of other people did too. And, and I don't want to like mislead people into thinking that this always works. Like it was just like the most we had capacity to do was at least like spread awareness of this given right. the short notice of the event. But usually it's a lot of, like, in-person protests or pickets uh, around an event to really apply pressure because most of the times people, and, you know, ICP included, like, it, it was very well that they could have just ignored the emails and, you know, just <laughs> said, like, fuck you, I don't care, we're, we're still doing it. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, but, well, I mean, s- small win, it's, you know, just the most you can do. You know, I think going back to, you know, the fortune for Randy, it's like... <laughs> You gotta do something, right? Like if we didn't send at least something, then yeah, we probably would have hated ourselves a little bit at least. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean you could you could slap it into slap a prompt in the chat GBT and then copy paste. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Well, moving on to our main part of the episode. Uh, this week in Asian American News, our first item on the docket is Nikki Haley. Oh, my God. She announced she's running for president this past week, and uh, she is a noted follower of both Reagan's policies and Trump. Uh, some of her views are interesting in that she removed a Confederate flag from the South Carolina state house and is sympathetic to a pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants. But like I said, fan of Reagan and Trump overall.
1: Aaron, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so Nikki Haley, I mean full name Nimarata Nikki Haley, uh and then previous last name Redwan. She's she's South Asian, is that what I'm saying? She's South that's why we're covering her, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, for the longest time I had no idea that Nikki Haley was even Asian, right? Like you like I see the name oh, on, on yeah. print. And I'm okay. like, oh, this sounds like a white person. Oh no, she's actually South Asian. Uh and I mean <laughs> I think it's my my first thought was like, oh God. I'm glad that You know, we have another. It seems like all the Asian people running for president so far have just been kind of, kind of cringe a little bit. Like, what we had Andrew Yang, and we had Kamala Harris, Uh and now we have Nikki Haley, and it's like it's just not, (laughs) it's not the best crowd. But I am glad that like uh, South South Asians are having their own little cringy, uh, cringy political moment right now.
0: I mean. Didn't they have that with Kamala though, occasionally? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't this know. This just
1: seems worse though. Yo, Nikki's like, Republican. <laughs> she's Republican, but also really funny. Like, I was, there are so many articles on her, but um, one revolving topic is always around her race and whether she thinks America is racist or not. Oh, yes. And she spoke at the Republican National Convention in 2020, and she said, America is not a racist country. I'm the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. You know, my parents, they settled in a southern town. My dad wore a turban. My mother wore a sari. I was a brown girl. We faced discrimination and hardship, but my parents never gave in a grievance and hate. And I'm like, yo, that sentence about facing discrimination and hardship, that is racism. Like, yeah, like, you literally <laughs> like, proved yourself wrong. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> America's not a racist country. Like, two sentences later, we face racism. I'm like, what the hell is happening? That was so funny to me. I mean, what's what's one thought you had on her as well?
0: Um, yeah. Along with her comments on race, she said in one of the articles, uh, she said the railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Blah blah blah. Not black. Not white. I was different.
1: Mm, well, <laughs> Too Asian well, for
0: America. Right. You
1: know? <laughs> oh, my God. Nikki Haley, you know, stealing bar for bar from, uh, from you know, slam pieces, in college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mango, diaspora mango diaspora poetry.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mango diaspora. But,
0: but that's what I'm thinking is, like, I think a conservative Asian American politician could attract Moderate liberals, specifically moderate Asian liberals, with the right buzzwords, with the right diaspora poetry. Mm,
1: yeah. I mean, there was that one article on NBC talking about... I mean, it actually sounded a little more skeptical, right? They were saying, like, Nikki's Nikki Haley's campaign opened with an appeal to race. Yeah, Some Indian Americans say it won't work. And, it, and it, the article was, like, older, you know, uh, in, uh, Indian immigrants... Yeah. might align more with her but like younger generations they have such different views on like gun control and whether America is racist and the whole you know education debates and everything else it's like it it seems like an uphill battle for the younger crowd
0: I don't really trust uh, in general what media like especially NBC you know those those sites really say like oh we don't think this person cuz how long, how long did Trump run and pe- people didn't take him seriously for the longest time? Right? Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: mean,
1: I don't know. they I mean, she, uh, she is one of many Republican candidates with those single digit numbers right now. Yeah. Obviously Trump is leading with the majority, um, but they're also the only two people who even have announced their candidacy.
0: Wait, sorry. Who's yeah. the second person? Oh, Trump oh d- and- just
1: literally Trump and Nikki Haley, right? That's, oh, okay. That's it for now. But like, there are a lot right. of people who might run. It's
0: give Desantis time. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know exactly Desantis. And like yeah, back in 2016, she was first like a really huge supporter of Marco Rubio, and then a huge Flopera. supporter. Of- yeah, era, <laughs> and then Ted Cruz again, era. You're era. And then finally, when Trump became the finalist, she said she was not a fan, but she would, you know, support him as a Fellow party member essentially. But yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm just thinking about how everyone's always like, oh, we need more Asians in politics. We need more Asian politics. And the ones we get are like, okay, no, not that one. Not that one. (laughs) Every time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, okay. My hot take is that I think Republicans do a better job of sounding like they'll handle the things Asian voters are worried about, even if like, in practice, those policies would make the things worse.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially around crime and things. I'll say like Nikki doesn't even really seem to care about that. Like she was Trump's United Nations, like uh, like yeah. liaison, or whatever the word is. So like her whole thing is around like international disputes and I think that's also what's getting her in hot water too, because when Trump um, banned travel from a lot of like Muslim majority countries, she was like, Oh, it's not a Muslim ban, Trump's not doing this and so yeah, I feel like I feel like she's not really in sync with South Asians on that perspective either. Eh, yeah, I'm not we'll surprised. See. I'll, I'll
0: close. I'll close out with this. Like, she has this quote. And she's like, "We don't ever want to educate South Carolina children like they educate California children." I imagine this is something about the curriculum, critical race yeah, theory, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like. Okay so I looked it up and California has a higher graduation rate it has it ranks better than South Carolina in both like grade school and higher education so I don't really
1: I don't know what we're trying to do here <laughs> yeah. Man I was just going to say I didn't know this before but like like her husband apparently also what is a soldier and he was in Afghanistan Cool I'm just like that's just to me that just sounds really awkward like you know he was in Afghanistan probably like you know like essentially unaliving a lot of brown people right but then he's also married to a brown person and it's just like jesus christ i'm like there's so many contradictions it's like
0: you got to do a lot of mental gymnastics yeah yeah
1: yeah a lot of mental yeah (laughs) exactly Yeah. yeah all right well moving on to the next topic so you know we first talk about south asians now we are talking about asian americans in the south uh there were some new articles coming out one one titled the South's Asian American population is booming and diverse. So these are some like population study articles, basically talking about how Asian Americans are uh, really bumping up the numbers in the South and Southeast, specifically North Carolina. Um, you know, for the listeners who may or may not know, like I grew up in Arkansas, Jerry grew up in Alabama, so we are yeehaw. both yeehaw, the the the, <laughs> the, the 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 southern the southern Asians, uh, you know. I think we're we're even less known than the Midwest Asians, who I find kind of boring, to be honest. But Ooh, spicy, I, I do. I think they're they're really boring, man. We we could talk about that later. But Jerry, what's one thought you had on these articles?
0: Um, I love hearing stuff like this. It's I don't know if you get this, but sometimes when I tell, actually most times when I talk to people here in New York and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm from Alabama, yeehaw, honky-tonk. They're like, oh my God, what What was that like? I bet you're so glad to be up here now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, in the South, the worst racism I ever experienced was someone called my mom, not even me, someone called my mom a chink over a parking, a, a parking lot spot. Uh. Uh, and then like the worst thing racism i've ever encountered was here and that was with you in that open mic room where like that that dude like threatened us uh to physical violence because we were asian so yeah yeah what do you think
1: interesting yeah i mean i feel like arkansas and alabama even among states in the south are kind of obscure really like like, people don't dude whenever i say arkansas no one even knows where arkansas is that's because like that you're bad. that's because
0: you're borderline midwest that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: just
0: Definitely saying part of the south yeah no uh, no, one, no one says that about alabama alabama yeah. literally has a sign in montgomery that's like the cradle of the confederacy no oh, one's forgetting yeah, that
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, arkansas i'm not even sure what role we had in the civil war to be honest um all, all i know is that very racist. We had the Jim Crow laws over there. We we had what the South had at least. Like, I feel like <laughs> that might be the differentiator. But yeah, I mean, it's this article. It honestly, like, it, it is about the South, but it mainly focuses on places like North Carolina and I think maybe Tennessee. But it's it's like places that are in the South, but I don't think of them as like Deep South, and I don't think of them as having like, I don't, I don't know, like fried catfish and crawfish and you know you all the things that i think about has this time.
0: fried catfish Aaron? Dude, i don't
1: i don't think what dude all i know about tennessee is that like they have like i guess like vanderbilts over there i think i think of
0: those I, <laughs> dude <laughs> the only thing you know is the university oh, stop
1: <laughs> no no that's what i think like when when they're saying all these asian people are moving to north carolina um i think like oh yeah they have like a lot of universities over there i'm like is that mm. the reason why you know i think like like duke's there right like and like yeah. north carolina chapel hill unc that's, that's partially and a lot of basketballs. Why. Yeah.
0: I think, well, first off, in regards to North Carolina, yes, the universities, there's UNC Chapel Hill and Duke, blah, blah, blah. I think it's also in regards to, there's a weirdly booming tech scene there. Um, and I think that oh, correlates okay. with the article saying it's predominantly Chinese and Indian people yeah, who, who are moving yeah. there. So yeah, it, it correlates with a booming, growing tech scene. Um, I think that's also true for places like Miami ooh, and mm. uh, Texas, um, yeah. like Austin, stuff like that. Um yeah
1: yeah i mean it's it's cool to see it just uh i mean i was looking for any other states they
0: but 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 wait wait wait. uh isn't isn't that technically kind of like what it's like here in the northeast i don't know we don't need to talk about california because that's a whole different thing but here in the northeast you leave new york city and it's like trump town Mm. right so like it's it's concentrations of asian people in urban areas but that's always been the trend no matter like yeah. where you go except uh, for again maybe california
1: yeah, like new york city boston philly yeah okay. it's, it's only, like, big the big cities <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, big cities um i guess broad level they just said like in general across the southeast um like aapis they had about a 46 percent growth overall mm-hmm. in the region and north carolina had 64 percent uh this was. higher compared to other populations at the time but yeah it kind of sucks like i'm like i feel like the articles are misleading because they start off with these headlines about asian americans in the south but they really only concentrate on north carolina and they barely mention the other states names i'm like okay what about the other states i know arkansas is not really bumping right but like this is misleading this is clickbait uh it feels very clickbaity um yeah, just because all the articles just talked about like Durham, Chapel Hill, Raleigh, Greensboro, Winston Salem—these are all North Carolina spots. The yeah. article should just be like North Carolina's Asian population grew. That's that's what the real article should be.
0: Yeah, that's and that's fair. I mean, like I could see, I I would have been way more likely to click on this because it says the South and not North Carolina because I don't
1: yeah. really care about North Carolina. Yeah, it, they don't even have South in the name. <laughs> north carolina- all right
0: but north carolina of the carolinas north carolina is definitely the better one
1: yeah i mean south carolina i guess coming back to nikki haley that's her state so yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean the only thing that's actually related to the south that we found this week um, this actually happens in texas so deep south uh title of this article is chinese citizens in texas are incensed over a proposal to ban them from buying property in the state. So uh, for some brief context, there's a bill being proposed in the Texas Senate that is essentially making it illegal for Chinese citizens to buy any property in Texas, including homes. Jerry, what's one thought you had about this article?
0: Yeah, specifically, it's it's Chinese citizens who are not citizens here in America, because I feel like it's a little confusing because if you're a Chinese citizen and then you gain, you renounce your Chinese citizenship, I think. And then become an American citizen, you can buy property, I think is the yeah. 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 Um, at first, like I didn't really think this was a big deal, because it's like I said, like you can become you could still buy after you become a citizen. But there was a quote in the article uh where someone mentioned that when his parents first came here, when they were still on visas and not citizens, they bought their first home. And that uh then I remembered my parents also were not citizens when they yeah. <laughs> they uh, bought their first home. And um, yeah, I guess like it. this, I can see why this is extremely bad because it's it's a little harder to settle here or, or even get a citizenship if you can't build a life.
1: Yeah, no, no, yeah. exactly. And essentially it's it's anyone who's not a citizen there are a lot of immigrants who are chinese immigrants who are not citizens right you could have a green card right right you 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 are legally permanent like you have a visa or something but you're just not a citizen yet so any one of those categories is also not allowed to buy any kind of property um I, i will say this is a very you know southern state i'm not sure if it's a southern state issue but it's like in New York, I never even think about the concept of buying property. So when I saw that headline, I was just crack it like,
0: like, Oh, you guys are buying houses? Yeah, buying? <laughs> hey, if you're still listening to this podcast, please consider pausing and giving us a five-star review on whatever app you're listening on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I don't think anyone else does it. Uh, if you really like the episode, consider donating to our Buy Me a Coffee. It's a one time payment of an amount you choose and we'll take literally anything. You can go to our website or head over to buymeacoffee.com slash political asian. We're so broke we couldn't even buy a longer URL with our proper name. Thanks, and now back to the episode.
1: I like this article because it um it it essentially is, is a different way of getting displaced, right? Like, if, mm, you're a Chi- okay. if you're a Chinese immigrant who's trying to make it in Texas, like, and you just want a place to live, now you might not be able to have a place. Like, you might be pushed out of your city, right, displaced mm-hmm. out of your city because you legally can't be allowed to even buy a house. And I'm not sure at all what the te- Texas apartment rental scene is like. I, in my mind, I just assume everyone buys a place. I, I truly don't know, so that that's why i think about displacement it's like if buying is your main option if it's what everyone does then yeah. it's not exactly great for you right now
0: yeah but see that's like the fact that this is even an issue I, this is why i don't like it when people right off the south when people in the northeast are just kind of like oh like you know it, what's it like must have been so bad down there uh it's all like crazy racist white people Cl- clearly there are enough chinese people in texas for this to actually you know for for republicans to actually care about this yeah right? yeah um and so that just pisses me off because then now in a sense you've stranded these uh asian people or yeah. black people or whoever my min- racial minorities you have um yeah i don't know i think it's going to be un- unconstitutional i don't think they'll they're gonna yeah. this is gonna fly but no, no,
1: no. I, I think the, this the is the principle one of, of the matter yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah yeah because at first uh, like i was like are we are we just trying to support more people becoming landlords is that the outrage <laughs> no
0: just it, own their own homes. Owning, you know, homes yeah yeah. <laughs> Not but, uh, yeah
1: i was like this uh you know obviously stop asian hate comes into this but i do think this is a greater use of that headline just cause it's. It, 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 to me, I always think about this from a displacement point of view. Yeah, it's like hate hate also comes in the form of not giving people a house to live at. It's like yeah, it's like a like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's like level one: you got no house, you got no <laughs> yeah. You know, that's exactly got, what the triangle
0: yeah. says. You yeah. got no house.
1: You got, you got, no, you got no, no food. House. Yeah, <laughs> you got no water. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's cool to see people organizing and protesting around this. Mm. Uh, They were just covering one of those. A lot of tie ins to people mentioning the Chinese Exclusion Act. Yes. You know, banned laborers from coming to the US. Now it's like we're not allowing, you know, immigrants and laborers to stay in Texas.
0: Well, I mean, I've been reading about like the history of that. And even when they were allowed to come to the United States, they couldn't own property. So it's literally Mm. very similar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting because the United States slash Texas would rather be racist than accept money from people who can readily give them capital. You know, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, people people were saying this is not likely to pass because there are a lot of like legal, legally permanent residents, so they're not citizens, but they're like almost there, um, who are in Texas. Uh, It would also really crater the real estate industry, or just like the, the state taxes. I don't even like the finances. The
0: those people you see on TikTok, those real <laughs> estate agents. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't pass, but it is, I think, a sign of all the geopolitics that mm. you know plays around. It's like, maybe I'm just kind of numb to it at this point, but it's
0: it <laughs> like, of course kind of, they are. Of course yeah, they're doing I
1: mean, that. <laughs> I guess it still is pretty strange to have a bill that targets someone by ethnicity. Is like, I oh, guess, yeah,
0: that's a good point.
1: I, I feel like I'm kind of like numb to it right now, but it is, it's kind of weird. It,
0: that's a really good point. I feel like it's been a minute since they, uh, I don't know.
1: yeah. I mean, the last one not too long ago was the, um, the China initiative, which they oh. also put China explicitly in there, even though it was a general espionage thing. Like, you could have named it the espionage, you know, initiative. Right. So they didn't do the this for initiative. the Patriot
0: Act, did they? Yeah. Like, where <laughs> they no, were, there... no, no. I, I don't remember. I, I, we should look that up, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they explicitly named anyone. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cool. well I guess for Chinese people not buying property in Texas, you know, there's there's plenty of land in Arkansas. You know, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it
0: like right above?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's also right above. It's to the northeast. Uh yo, you know what's funny is whenever I mentioned people uh mentioned two people that I'm from Arkansas. People are like, oh, yeah, like, in Minari, was your life similar to McNari? like, no, dude, he lived you on a farm. You should just start saying
0: yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just start saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, yeah. yeah, it was a farm. Why do you think I'm here now? I don't want to yeah. do labor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I searched for water all day with that bone, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: All right, well, speaking of homes and displacement... Uh, there's this article on Bloomberg where that described how Asians are moving into Spanish Harlem, particularly into the neighborhood's public and affordable housing. So it's important to know that these are low-income Asians. And for those of you who don't know, Asians actually have the highest poverty rate in New York City. Um, and uh, yeah, elderly res- elderly Asian residents are like the fastest growing group and also the poorest. So. Food for thought. Aaron, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. I I feel like the, you know, on the topic of clickbaity articles, you know, this article is titled, Why Asian Americans are moving into New York City's East Harlem. And I immediately thought this was some kind of tech bro moving into like a luxury building in Harlem. But it's actually not that. It's it's I'm sure some of them are Asian Americans, but it sounds like it's primarily elderly asian immigrants mm-hmm. who have mainly been pushed out of chinatown because of high prices and now they're just moving elsewhere um and, and so i to me I, I really like this article because it speaks to you know i was telling you on the train earlier like i think it really speaks to what you know what the definition of gentrifier is yeah and who is really doing the gentrifying you know like my own thoughts are like you know it's it's the city And, you know, like luxury real estate developers who are really jacking up the prices in a lot of different neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. People are getting pushed out and just moving somewhere else. And that's what's happening right here. It's like Asian people moving to Harlem. It's like Harlem, historically black, Chinatown, historically Asian. But now Chinatown people are getting pushed out and they're just having to move somewhere else just to find something affordable.
0: Yeah. So to be clear, you would not call this gentrification, right?
1: Yeah. No, no. I mean, because... No, no, you know, I think in this case, it's like the elderly Asians, you know, they are just following the rules set by the city and developers, right? It's like sure. who's setting the rent prices and affordability. Like There are no rezoning laws limiting the the rent prices for different neighborhoods. It's like everyone's just being pushed around everywhere, right? Mm. And I'm sure eventually, I'm not even sure where, eventually, I could see even a case where Harlem, right, people are pushed out of Harlem and they go into some other even lower income neighborhood if any in new york city right it's like everyone's just getting pushed out further and further to wherever the cheapest land is
0: that's interesting um yeah i actually used to live in
1: harlem um, a couple years ago <laughs> this article was about you actually no? yeah
0: yeah except i didn't i didn't live in east harlem i lived on the the west side near 125th and broadway oh um, wait
1: was this when you were in school
0: it was a little bit before I started school.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And I remember, I think I was on the cusp right before it, the gentrification really uh started to ramp up because yeah. I remember there was like a store on a corner and it had closed and it said, coming soon, Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, I would really say it's not gentrification just because it's like low income people moving into public housing. Um, So it's, I feel like it's not necessarily changing the, while it may change like the makeup of the neighborhood and that neighborhood would change. It's not necessarily the cause of why their rents would go up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's, it's definitely a broader discussion because I think when we think gentrification overall, it's like, Oh, like white people moving into a historically black neighborhood, and here sure. come the Whole Foods, and here come the Trader Joe's, and here come yeah. the little cupcake boutique shops. I always, when I see those little cupcake shops, I'm like, dude, that's, that's a very big sign that yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's over. I mean, yeah. We, we,
0: there's like a Shake Shack that just opened over in my, yeah. my neighborhood. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah.
1: But it's all really like when I was picketing in front of the Museum of Chinese in America across the street. There were some white people who now live in there. And a long time ago I would have been like, oh, like white people gentrifying Chinatown. But it's sure. like even they were probably kicked out of somewhere, I don't know, from like like the upper west side or something, or like <laughs> the, you know, like people are just getting pushed out of expensive places and they're just moving to cheaper places. And mm. and and anytime that that thing happens, like you know, people call it gentrification, but it's like the, the real people doing the gentrifying are the city and developers who are setting these rules that make it happen, right? Like, there's no yeah. limitations around this.
0: Yeah, I think to to actually be a gentrifier by the technical definition is that you have to have uh, power and capital, and I feel like the people in question of this article are not that. And I yeah. thought, like, it was... Uh, not haha funny haha sad the line where it said their grandchildren refuse to take the subway to visit them because they feel unsafe uh yeah. just a lot of thoughts there yeah i mean
1: <laughs> I, I feel like especially like in you know harlem i'm like yeah it you know especially over covid yeah there are a lot of conflicts between like asian people and black people like that's it, i feel like that's like the setup for what they're trying to say here as well yeah and yeah, I don't know how it's going to go, but it it seems like everyone's just chasing affordability right now, right?
0: Yeah, which um, which I can't blame them for that.
1: Yeah, and and for context, like there was this one sentence talking about this couple, a sixty eight year old and seventy age couple. They lived in Chinatown before, where their rent was one thousand two hundred, mm-hmm. right? But that was too expensive, and so now they're moving to East Harlem, where they pay three hundred dollars, which is so much cheaper, right? But it's like everyone. As soon as you can't afford the old place anymore, you have to find a cheaper place, and that's just the way things are going everywhere in New York City.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm still not over the three hundred dollar
1: rent. Like that's, three oh, hundred—that's pretty low, right there.
0: That's that's. Oof. I mean, you know, one could. I feel like a devil's advocate could argue that like Chinese elders taking those three hundred dollar apartments is taking away from the local community the historic yeah, community that yeah, would be yeah, I can there see that. yeah um but i mean then i don't know increase affordable housing
1: <laughs> yeah i think i think that's a big thing right like that's that's what is really hard in new york city is uniting people around the issue of more affordable housing mm. you know right now in new york city in general like the the discourse is you know, a lot of YIMBYs are like, we need more market rate housing, right? Like market rate housing would be like the $1,200 apartment, right? That's, really?
0: That's market rate?
1: Well, it depends on like who, you know, like remember that? It was like a a small clip on community a long time ago where they buy seafood at market rate. And then Donald Glover's like, like, what market are you buying this from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like the same idea. It's like who defines what is market rate? That's true. You know, like a okay. lot of luxury developers they are like, yeah, 1200 a month for the you know, like the very transient tech bro. Who's like traveling different cities. Right. And it's like who, affordable for whom. Right. Mm, okay. Um, I, I feel like, yeah, a lot of places like 1,200 that, you know, like that, that's something that, you know, like young working people maybe could afford. Right. Yeah. But it, to other people, that's not affordable at all.
0: Right. That's um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Mar- market rate does not mean affordable. Is like the, the TLDR, I guess, but okay. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, that was depressing as hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But let's move on to some other articles happening in New York City. So uh, we're covering one article around the ex-NYPD hate crimes chief. So this person, uh, she's fired now, but her name was Jessica Corey. She had been with the NYPD for 30 years. She's suing Eric Adams because Eric Adams basically kind of like said bad things about her because she didn't handle a case well about, like, Asian, uh, like, an Asian hate crime. I'll leave it there. Jerry, what's one thought you had on this situation?
0: Um, I think Adams reassigned her, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: And he said, I don't want a leader in that area that starts off with saying why something is not a possible hate crime. And when I read that, I was, like, a little, like, <laughs> whoa um, because like <laughs> on one hand i was like wow am i agreeing with eric adams like he's not discounting <laughs> the feelings of a victim oh my yeah. goodness but then the other hand is like i never trust eric adams on anything so let me think about this a little more yeah. because um i think you know when when everyone calls everything a hate crime or when there's a spike in hate crimes that's evidence for cops to get more funding mm. um oh yeah So, of course, he's going to want someone in there who takes, quote, hate crime seriously because that means more funding for his buddies.
1: Yeah, that is true. That is true. In in general, that's like an incentive, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the the case in question they were all talking about uh, involved a Korean-American named Esther Lee who, um, just reading the description, she was spat on and called a carrier while riding the subway in October 2021. When I read that, I'm like, okay, this... I mean, it sounds like a hate crime to me, but it was never prosecuted as one because the cops said, oh, they didn't use the word Asian when calling you like uh, a carrier. Right. They just said carrier, not Asian carrier. But I'm like, Oh, OK. You know, and it's like, oh, like what else? Well, like. To me, it's like clearly they are calling you a carrier of COVID and they're saying that because you're Asian, but it's it's kind of annoying that sometimes with hate crimes, you know, depending on what's said and what's not said, they can, Oh my God. You know? So that's, yeah.
0: That's what's so frustrating to me when they're always like, Oh, Asians need to learn to speak English because when we speak English and understand it perfectly fine, you accuse of, you accuse us of not understanding it. Like it's very confusing.
1: Yeah. And and at the time, Jessica Corey, you know, who was the head of the hate crimes task force, she also ignored this case and, the reason it blew up is because Esther also posted on about about it on social media and that's where it blew up and got attention. So I, I mean, to me, when I read this, I'm like, uh, you know, kind of like a fuck around, find out situation. Right. I'm like, I'm like it, I, I kind of agree with Adams on this specific case, you know, it's like <laughs> it, my one it, agreement of with Adams for the year <laughs> yeah, instantly that um, the onion article, it's like the, the one about like, Oh, it's heartbreaking. The worst person, you know, just made a great point. Like, yeah,
0: (laughs) just (laughs) comes across
1: my head. It's very rare that, you know, Eric Adams, you know, who is, who is the one also trying to build the jail in Chinatown, like the 40 story jail Mm. is is sticking up for Asians right now. But like, it's, you know, it's part of a, a greater legacy of not really caring about Chinatown.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you read the quote that, uh, the former chief gave? Like it, in response or she told uh Esther Lee quote you know you really should not have filmed him him in regards to the uh, officer that she reported it to you sh- really should not have taken your phone and started taking oh no no, no. i think maybe she meant it in in, in regards to the guy who oh, attacked the guy. her yeah, yeah. yeah but still you really should not have filmed him you should not have taken your phone and started taking footage of him because you probably triggered him yeah I- that's- <laughs> what
1: that—that's victim blaming, well, gaslighting one hundred and one right there. <laughs> victim blaming one hundred and one.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. think her career is going to be destroyed. I think she'll be okay.
1: She'll be fine. I mean, yeah, I'm like, I feel like they rotate cops all the time. I, you know, she's suing. We'll see how it goes. I don't, uh, I don't care too much about her. But it was interesting to see updates on the task force.
0: Yeah, I think I want people who are listening to to this to take away that like. This was literally a task force within the NYPD that was specifically devoted to hate crimes and just drowning in incompetency, you know? Yeah.
1: I feel like they should have had the head of this task force at least be an Asian person.
0: Nah, <laughs> I mean, that's you know, too I mean, easy. Like,
1: having having a white woman be the head is a... Uh, yeah, I'd, I don't really feel like it's that great, but Yeah. There is one other article we wanted to talk about. This one also involving the NYPD. Uh, So this one involves one specific uh, NYPD officer named Baishma Dajia Anwang. I definitely messed that up a little bit because it's not Chinese, but it looks very like Chinese Pinyin. But anyways, we'll just go with Anwang as the last name. He was an nypd officer but he was arrested for being accused of spying for china he was basically put in prison for six months starting in september 2020 so he got out around march 2021 they just suddenly dropped the case and he was out but he lost (laughs) his career and now he's also suing jerry what is one thought you had about this article
0: i mean What's wild is that this dude is Tibetan, like he's Tibetan. And they the prosecutors argued um, that he provided intelligence on ethnic Tibetans who might cooperate with Chinese officials and advise them on how to expand China's soft power in New York. Um, He's also this officer is also a former military person. He like served in Afghanistan and stuff like that. And it's like, it literally doesn't matter like what where you're from or quote what you do for this country, they'll figure out a way to like twist it back the yellow peril.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> he, he literally did the check marks for what every white conservative might like, right? Like served yeah. in the army. Now it's a he's police officer. Op- yeah, now it's <laughs> a cop with the, the, the military to cop pipeline right there. And still just because he's Asian during like, you know, one of the peaks of COVID and the peaks of Donald Trump, you know, trying to search for Chinese spies through the China Initiative, he just got profiled. And it's like, I have mixed feelings about this because on one hand I'm like, I really don't care that much about the NYPD. I, I you know, I, I wish them harm every day. You know, I pray for the downfall. <laughs> <laughs> I pray for the downfall. At the same time, I'm like, I hope this is a lesson for that guy that like the police are literally, they literally were not on your side. Like, yeah. They turned you in. They literally called you a spy.
0: Yeah, I I did you did you read that part where um they said like the case was built partly on recorded phone calls, including some in which authorities said Ang Wong called a consular official, quote, big brother and boss. Uh. Um and uh the officer was like, Oh, either you mistranslated my Mandarin or it was taken out of context. And yeah. that reminds me of like all the the China Initiative cases that we had talked about previously um, in regards to like... Remember like there were those several incidents of like mistranslations or something yes. like that? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, is it not like we do that in English? Do people not randomly call you boss? You know, like, hey, boss, how's it going? hey, bro.
0: Yeah. Like, what do you... <laughs> like-
1: it just seems like a stretch, and, and the biggest stretch was the fact that it just suddenly got dropped after six months, right? And they they just kind of mess with you. And the, the reason this guy's doing is like, yeah, that was a very stressful six months of my life of like being you know interrogated and spied on by the FBI because they thought I was a spy, only for nothing to happen. And it's like, to be honest, I hope this is some kind of awakening moment for him to not trust the cops and not yeah. trust the government and the FBI. But we'll see how what happens with them.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was um, I'm I don't know the right word. I guess I'll say sad. Okay, um, is that his Tibetan community is like also suspicious of him now? Oh uh, um, yeah, there it says something like, with the charges dropped, he said he wants to regain the good graces of his Tibetan community, which remains suspicious. Um, mm. Which is interesting because apparently the case was dismissed, but without prejudice which means the government could press charges again uh, yeah. which is wild I didn't know we could do that in this country
1: I, I thought double trial was not okay I don't understand enough it's, about it, legal stuff yeah, obviously me neither. I thought we could never double try someone for the same thing
0: yeah I don't know I, th- I thought
1: that was like one of the things in the constitution yeah okay, it's, it's called like not. double jeopardy or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's like, okay apparently game. not but yeah. yeah I think to me when I read about you know this stuff happening it's just like I really think what you said matters the most like no matter how hard you know you try to be quote American in the traditional sense they will see you as an Asian person first and then whatever else second right yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. it doesn't it doesn't even matter if it's quote the wrong kind of Asian like that's wild Yeah, yeah
1: exactly yeah exactly yeah, just seen as a spy and the whole thing that's still ongoing with, you know, Chinese, the, the balloon thing now. And who knows what happens in the next few months. There's always going to be another labeling. More of balloons. Spy. Yeah, more balloons. <laughs> a balloon animal flying
0: yeah. through the sky. Please, <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs>
1: yeah. Something's going to happen again. It's just like, it, it's always happened at this point.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that foreboding uh, prophecy is a good place to end this episode. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) All right. Well, if you could give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it's free. It literally takes a second, but really helps us out. You could probably do it before I finish closing out this episode. Like, do it right now. Uh, Otherwise, you can follow us on Instagram at Politically Asian Podcast or on Twitter, if you still use that, at Politic Asian Pod. And, uh... Until the next time.
1: Bye.